0: Man, pilot, I think it's a touchdown. It is a big December win for the Miami Dolphins. The Boston Celtics move on by defeating the 76ers four games to nothing. The first ever sweep in 15 playoff series between these two squads. Welcome back, welcome home to Alec uh, and your family. We are ecstatic to have you back at Fenway where you belong. Uh, a great day for the franchise. As a leader, as a, as a person that you know enjoys the game and loves to manage, you know, I put this organization in a top spot. for like that I'm sorry. Five seconds left. The meteorologists say hurricane season ends on November 30th for the second year in a row, Boston has sent Carolina home in the first round. Welcome to tonight's holiday special. It's week 29, count it, week 29 of Shark Sports Radio. Alongside of me is nobody. It's yours truly, Mark Loisdell Jr., a.k.a. Shark, right here in the Ocean State. As a reminder, you can check us out on Twitter at SSR2019 underscore and as always on Facebook. I appreciate all the feedback from the listeners, ranking our podcast, rating it, telling us reviews and tonight, tonight is going to be special. The reason why? It's the holiday season and Shark is handing out gifts all over the place. Correct. Shark is handing out Gifts to the Dolphins, to the Celtics, to the Red Sox, and the Bruins. Let's get started. So as I mentioned, we are going to be discussing the Miami Dolphins. I am gifting them a second playoff berth since 2016. Since 2016, the Dolphins have not made it to the playoffs. And there is no better team deserves a chance in this 2020 season. The Dolphins deserve a shot, a true shot, at contending for the Super Bowl. Now, I'm not getting my head of myself. I think this would be a tremendous Cinderella story. I think Miami has the number one scoring defense in the league now that Pittsburgh lost to the Cincinnati Bengals. So, the Dolphins are right there from a scoring defensive perspective. Rookie quarterback Tua Tungabaloa is turning up the system with Shane Gailey in that offense. He has done a tremendous job. Um, He has a completion percentage around 64%, 1,359 passing yards, nine touchdowns, two interceptions, plus three rushing touchdowns. Um, So he has been elite when it comes to mechanically, you know, ball handling, precision, accurate. The only thing that he should work on is making sure that he is timely with his um, supporting cast. There have been mishaps, you know, over the course of this season, whether that's wide receivers not being able to catch the ball, um, you know, a fumble here and there, you know, a little bit of, you know, mechanics when it comes to, you know, the short passes, the short windows. It, it's a growth for him. You know, he's a rookie. I, I think, you know, expectations-wise coming into this season – I think a lot of people thought he was going to be, you know, next upcoming Drew Brees right away. And obviously that takes progression and it takes a lot of mental uh, development. As a quarterback, you know, you only have two or three seconds to throw the football. So, you know, Tua Tagovailoa has done a masterful job. And also with the offensive line, that has been just tremendous. And their special teams, their special teams has been dominant. And I'm sorry, Jason Sanders deserves a Pro Bowl appearance. He deserves that. The guy was clutch. He was close to like 95% from the field goal percentage. So he has been elite. He's been unstoppable. But Matt Hawk is a guy that gets overlooked too. He's a great punter. He puts the Dolphins in perfect position. If you can bury the other team into the 10-yard line from your own 30 to 40-yard line, which he has done on a consistent basis, he is definitely a guy that gets overlooked year in and year out. Brian Flores and this team have always counted on the three phases of the game. I, I think he definitely has the Bill Belichick mindset of you know having the ability to take it one game at a time, do your job, Again, the three phases, that's probably the most important thing right now is Miami's hitting on all cylinders because all three facets are hitting on all cylinders. It's the ability not to turn over the ball from an offensive standpoint. The ability to get the running game going. You know, They had close to 240 yards in rushing uh, this past Sunday against the New England Patriots. The defense, top-scoring defense in the league. You know, they get after the football. Sacks are like close to eight to ten, you know, per defensive lineman. These guys just get after it. And the cornerbacks, talk about the cornerbacks. Xavier Howard has nine interceptions on the air and he just had a forced fumble. The guy has been the most consistent cornerback and most overlooked cornerback in the NFL. And I think it he deserves now recognition. Obviously, him getting a pro bowl, it's great for him, but he deserves all pro. He deserves Every bit of that contract that he has received from the Miami Dolphins, which is 15 plus million per year. So if I'm, you know, the football gods, I am looking to gift the Miami Dolphins a playoff berth since 2016. They deserve it. They know where their head's at mentally, game by game. And it's so exciting to see, especially from my standpoint, being a fan and strong supporter. And I know I live in New England. I know I do. And I take a lot of, you know, hacking throughout the years. It does feel good to be on the good side of the football, unlike the Patriots this year. But I will say the goal, the journey is not completed. It's completed when you have a Super Bowl, when you put all that hard work into that regular season and then you get something out of it. So I I think it's gratifying to see the Miami Dolphins again on the right side of the football, but my goodness, it will take some time, some time to develop this team into a true championship contender. And I didn't think it was going to be this quick. I really didn't. I I thought they had, you know, mentally and physically uh, a dominance to them. And a part of it, I'm telling you, a part of it comes right off from the top. Brian Flores and Chris Greer have put together this team together and know and understand exactly what they want. And these two came from the New England Patriots system. I guess I'm utilizing some of the New England Patriots and their traits and their characteristics to justify the Miami Dolphins in the 2020 season. I think it's warranted. I think a team like the Miami Dolphins, they're cassette athletic, versatile, they're creative, they're dynamic, they're risky. And at the same time, are there some questionable calls? For sure. But does it always work in 2020? Recently, it has been. And they got the Raiders and they got the Bills. If they close out against the Raiders, they might have to work a little magic to, you know, beat the Bills. Uh, And maybe, you know, some teams lose here and there, like the Baltimore Ravens or the Indianapolis Colts, in order for this team to get into the playoffs. I just hope they do, because if they get the 7th seed, bring on Pittsburgh. Bring on Pittsburgh. Okay, moving on. We got the Boston Celtics. So as we know, going into the season, game time tomorrow, exciting we get the Milwaukee Bucks uh, coming to town. Um, there, there's just one huge gap. There's one, one big gap. And that's the ability to be a playmaker. Have a playmaker somewhere in your lineup other than Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. And my goodness, I can't even name another good playmaker on that team. Kemba Walker is hurt, right? They don't have another guy that can, you know, be a spacer that can create for his own. That can be smart on a pick and roll and pick and pop type of situation. Gordon Hayward was that. I kind of r- relate this to the Red Sox scenario. The Red Sox didn't have a starting pitcher in consecutive seasons. Yes, uh, we'll get into it too. Eduardo Rodriguez had uh, 19 wins. But other than that, you can't name me starting pitcher that had an above average record for the Red Sox. And I can see the same exact feeling going into this year. The Celtics are going to be hurting. Their bench scoring is going to be immensely hurting unless Aaron Neesmith, unless Peyton Pritchard, Simi Ojale, all these guys coming off the bench, Grant Williams, name a name and plug them in. They're going to have to have some kind of impact, a positive impact, immediate impact at that in order to remove the absence of Gordon Hayward. Hayward was the guy that you know Brad Stevens could rely on when Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum were off the court. Even if Jalen was on the court. If Jalen Brown was on the court and it was Gordon Hayward being the point guard that he is, and point forward you could say, he has the ability to control a game. And right now, I'm looking up and down that roster, and I can't see anybody, anybody that can fulfill those shoes. When I said the Red Sox had no starting pitching in 2019, and even in 2020, we'll say 2020 at that, because you had Rick Purcello and Eddie Rodriguez in 2019, when you kind of walked into that season of 2020, and you didn't have anybody, and everyone was getting injured, yes, injuries play a factor, but you can't tell me that the Red Sox were going to be successful in that season. And it showed it. It showed it. They're preposterous, and we're going to get into it. When I'm talking about the Celtics and that organization, they're all about winning. They're all about winning. And for my concern is that they're getting comfortable with Brad Stevens and his makeup and his system and his comfortability, and they're getting complacent with their roster. They're getting complacent. They're not taking risks like they used to. They're not finding out what's the best package on the market. I think a guy like James Harden, yes, he, he would help the team. Does he become a cancer to the locker room? You're seeing it in Houston. But James Harden, a guy that's arguably, arguably top 5, top 10 in the NBA, you kind of have to take the risk and go after it. That might be my plan C, to be honest. If no other team is offering Houston a good package, you find a way to at least get James Harden into a green uniform. At least. My plan A is that trade exception. That trade exception is mightily big. Okay, and Two guys that can see the Boston Celtics targeting is Buddy Heald and Aaron Gordon. Buddy Heald is one hell of a three-point shooter. You want a guy that can shoot threes, Brad Stevens? The guards that you love and in, in adore on the court is a guy like Buddy Heald who can create on his own who can shoot above 40% from three, who is a good free throw shooter, who you can count on for big shots. He's done it at Indiana University. He's a clutch performer. And to take him away from the Sacramento Kings who just draft guys and then they get buried, um, that just shows that Buddy Heal's worth the risk. And he's a guy that I think the Celtics would love uh, to have come off the bench or even starting. You know, I think you could play a starting lineup of Marcus Smart, Buddy Hield, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Tristan Thompson. And I think that helps you out immensely. But without a scoring presence slash playmaking ability coming into this year, the Celtics got to be worried. I think he would thrive into this um, system of the Boston Celtics. I really do. If I were to give my prediction tomorrow, I'm laughing because I think they're going to get destroyed against the Bucs. I don't think they have a shot. And I think until, you know, I think Tristan Thompson's on minute restriction. He's going to be, you know, I think he's a game time decision. But uh, I think they're leaning towards, you know, probably 10 to 15 minutes, you know, in the game, if I had to guess. But they're going to need a lot more than Tristan Thompson, that's for sure. And Jeff Teague, he showed a lot of good stuff in the small preseason sample, for sure. But again, without Kimball Walker, who's going to be out for some time, without Gordon Hayward, I'm just telling you Boston Celtics fans, and I am one of them, set your realistic expectations. Don't be a fan- fantasy player thinking that the Boston Celtics are an elite team and they're going to win it and they're going to make it to the NBA Finals. Let's pump the brakes because I don't see that. I don't foresee that. I think a lot of people are overlooking the loss of Gordon Hayward. It is just immensely devastating to see him walk with his capability, with his scoring capability. And again, you're counting on young guys to step up who may not be ready. Moving on to another team who might not be ready is the Boston Red Sox. As you heard in the intro, okay, Alex core back in Boston. Great, great news for everyone. You know, I think the ability to call him a cheater, you can call him whatever you want. I think he deserves some label to it. A uh, press conference, you heard it. You know, he's going to take a lot of slack and it comes with it. And the Houston Astros too, as a team, as an organization. So Alex core is not the only one, but is he part of it? Sure. And, and he most certainly uh, deserves it. We're moving on to 2021, okay? Brand new year, hopefully. COVID, see you later. But it is exciting because there's just an aura about Alex Cora. Hey, that rhymed. The ability to really have good team chemistry, camaraderie with his players. I think he is exactly what the Red Sox needed to bounce back. Now, I'm not saying bounce back and win the division and you know, have a shot at the World Series. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying the ability to get better because they are far from winning a title at any time soon. And offensively, sure, they could probably bet, you know, three 300 or 320, you know, batting average as a team. They have the capability of doing that. The issue that I have, it's always been an issue, is a viable starting pitcher. And you just got to go back to it. The Red Sox had a 5.5. ERA with a 24 to 36 record and 14 saves, 537 strikeouts, and 252 walks this past season. Now, some of you might be like, all right, strikeouts, not too bad. You know, walks, they are what they are. But a 5.58 ERA as a team, that must make you want to just throw up in your mouth. And Um, If I'm the Red Sox, I'm going out all out for a guy like Corey Kluber or Trevor Bauer. They've been there. They've been the ace. They've had the ability to be successful in this league. They've put up some serious good numbers in serious good years. But they also have to count on Chris Sale coming back into the fold. If Chris Sale can be that person moving forward... Um, that horse that you can rely on, Eddie Rodriguez coming back from you know, his COVID issues, maybe they can start a rotation. But right now, currently constituted, ugh, you just can't even look at that roster and say, "Oh, sorry, that pitcher rotation and be like, okay, yeah, let's go into the the 21 season and we're going to make, make some noise and we're going to make our names for ourselves. No, you're not. You're not because it is what it is on paper. You're just not good enough. You're not good enough. You you feel like the developments there. You feel like the progressions there with some of your young guys down in Portland, down in Pawtucket, now in Worcester. Um, but for me, if I'm looking at you know the whole pitching depth, there's not much. There isn't. I mean, putting up a 5.58 ERA this past season is just it's nonsense. And I think they have to stop the nonsense and go out and get a pitcher and spend the money. Stop being cheap, spend the money. If you can spend it, you can go out and get a guy that's worth it. So that's my take on the Red Sox. Go out there, get a pitcher, and figure out what's capable of being had in that market. The fourth team that we're going to get into is the Boston Bruins. And as you know, the Boston Bruins... You know, they've had a lot of different successes throughout the year. They put up a fight against Tampa Bay in the Eastern Conference Finals. But when it comes down to the inability to perform in playoff time and also a scoring presence. Now, I'm not a Boston Bruins aficionado, but I have eyes. Okay, I watch these games with my own two eyes. Okay, Rask's inability to be a leader showed pronouncedly in the bubble. It was a terrible luck him leaving. He, he left. He left because of a quote unquote family emergency. Let's just be real, people, okay? When he left the bubble in mid August, there was something said by him about the bubble not being real enough. Paraphrasing, but he said, I can't take this seriously. There's no focus because there's no fans, there's no family, there's no friends in the stands. I can't get motivated. Now, do you think Brad Marchand would say that? Do you think David Pasternak would say that? Do you think Charlie McAvoy would say that? Do you think Zdeno Chara, who's old as this chair that I'm sitting in, which is extremely old, is saying that? No. Nobody is saying that but your goalie. And a lot of times, leadership does come from your goalie because he allows you to uh, move on throughout the playoffs. You know, Be that savior be the guy that can save all the different shots. Now, mechanically, Tuka's very very good, okay? And over the course of his playoff um, you know, career, he, he's allowed 2.20 goals. He's had a 51 and 42 record in the playoffs and had a 0.926 save percentage. So, that's adequate. He he's a guy that you can plug in, okay? But he's a stalemate in the goal. He just has one station and another, one station and another. Being a good goalie is when you can anticipate and look at the next move of the score. I know that anticipation for a goalie is a specialty. And if you can develop that, if you can read film, and if you can see where players are going at a certain speed or you're know, looking at their, their characteristics and traits as a playmaker, as a scorer, which is all Tuka really needs to do is stop the scores from scoring, okay? There should not be a problem when it comes to him being a leader, but there is. There's a massive gap, and the Bruins should understand this. And when his contract is up, they should say sayonara. They should actually have a free agent signed this offseason, like Brandon Holpe, or Corey Crawford, Mike Smith, Cameron Talbot, for $1 to $3 million contract per year. Somewhere in that range. So that way you have at least a veteran you can rely on. You got Halak too. So at least you can, you know, like I said, have that extra insurance. So that way when Tuka does leave, you at least have Halak and another goalie to rely on. And they can be a one-two punch. If you don't want to show up to the playoffs, if you don't want to show up to the bubble, that's fine. Do it before the thing even starts. Don't do it in the middle of it where you're like, okay, this is getting boring to me. I can't get motivated. You got to envision the ability to just take it on, okay? Whether that's looking forward to things throughout the course of the game, whether that's staying in tune in the game, not getting bored. If you're getting bored out there, which he did, which he did, and I honestly respect for him being honest, it's just the timing was purely dumb. So again... For the Boston Bruins, go out and get a true goaltender slash leader that you most certainly can count on. Because Tuka Rask is not it. And I'm telling you right now, Zdeno Chara did not quit. Brad Marchand did not quit. David Pasenek did not quit. None of these guys quit. And Tuka did. So Tuka Rask, I would say you should be gone from the Boston Bruins. Just to recap, so we got the Miami Dolphins, Boston Celtics, Boston Red Sox and the Boston Bruins that I am gifting, okay? I ain't giving these guys gifts because they deserve it in a lot of different ways. Miami Dolphins, second playoff berth since 2016. Okay, Boston Celtics, they need bench, playmaking, depth, help, somewhere. They need to get somebody going. Whether that's a rookie, whether that's a second-year player, somebody's got to step up. Romeo Langford, step up, please. Somebody step up and be a playmaker, and at least reliable off the bench because Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum is not going to cut it unless you get a guy like Buddy Heald or Aaron Gordon. So Buddy Heald from the Kings, Aaron Gordon from the Magic. Utilize that close to $30 million trade exception for either one of those guys. Boston Red Sox, viable starting pitcher. Go out and get a guy like Corey Kluber or Trevor Bauer. Fixed at 5.58 ERA. And also, to conclude the Bruins. Again, get a goaltender that you can rely on, respect and have leadership. It might sound stupid. Hockey 101 stop the freaking puck from going into the net. If you can't get a guy that can do it, you've got to figure out what's your next move. Is it the draft? Is it going out and getting a guy that you think is definitely worth a shot? They went out and got a goaltender this past offseason two, but let's see them get a veteran guy. Let's see them get like Like I said, Brandon Holpe or Corey Crawford or Mike Smith. So that being said, all four of these teams deserve gifts in their different ways. My oh my, what a holiday season it is. Uh, Thank you all for tuning in this past year. I will continue, obviously, heading into 2021. It has been a joy. Merry Christmas to all and to all on next podcast.